Welcome to another episode of Thanks Divorce, where we discuss the lessons, blessings, and gruesome beauty of going through a divorce. And I'm your host, Janine Bell. In this episode, I am talking to a counselor, mother, and author, Katie Rossler. She's a grief healer and a licensed counselor with over 13 years of experience helping individuals, couples, and families. She's the author of the upcoming book, The New Face of Grief, coming out October 5th, and is on a mission to help people learn how to heal hidden grief in their lives. Katie is an expat wife, a mother of three, and loves to be by the water to relax. In this episode, we talk about grief, what it is, what it isn't, how to process it, how to get through it, how to recognize it. It's a really insightful conversation. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Katie. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's so great to meet you. I'm so glad to meet you. You too. I was listening to your podcast and I was like, it's, um, it's nice to find somebody who's also had that catalyst event that helps you find yourself in a new way. Mm. And it's like, um, finding a fellow sister of like, you know, something happens where you're like, and then I learned how to love myself. And then I learned who I really was. And then I learned what life is really about. (laughs) And it was like, yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Um, the backstory for everyone listening, how we met was in a Facebook group. I don't know which one because I'm in a ton of them. Um, and I just put a post out like saying, hey, I would love to talk to people to be on my podcast, whether you're a divorcee and um, have transformed that experience to a positive one, or if you're like a life coach or a grief counselor and XYZ. And Katie just came on and said, this is what I do. And I would love to be on your podcast. So here we are. Well, I think the topic of divorce, I'm a child of divorce. So when I see that, I'm always like, oh, I'm also a couples therapist. <laughs> so I'm like, happy to talk, happy to share. But wow, grief is something we don't talk about very often when it comes to divorce. Yes. You yeah. know, it's like move on, go on, da 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 da. And um, unfortunately, it's it, it's something that's so overlooked that it comes back to bite you later on if you don't work on it. Hmm. So it's it's really good that we're talking about this today and can really help some people start to formulate, hey, I might be experiencing grief and I actually now know the tools of how to start to work on it. Hmm. So it can be really helpful, I think. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that and, and framing it in that way so we can actually identify what's going on um, for our listeners. I, I mean, I know this, but you are a grief healer and an actual licensed therapist with over a decade of experience. Um, you want to talk more about your background and like how it relates to, yeah. to divorce? Yeah, I can. So um, as I shared, I'm a couples therapist, uh, but my, my background is just in marriage and family therapy um, from the College of William and Mary. And um, I know you're from Maryland area. Well, <laughs> Maryland area. I was in Norfolk, Virginia for the longest times. So I love the East Coast. Um, but I grew up in a military family. We moved every two to three years. Uh, my parents divorced when I was 15. And so I was very aware of everything going on and, and what was being said or not said and all of those things. Um, and I wanted to help couples have healthier relationships, whether together or apart. Mm-hmm. And that was why I went into the world of couples therapy. Because to me, not every marriage is meant to work. 
but they're all meant to be there to help you grow. And so that was like, I want to teach people better tools. <laughs> Clearly, I didn't see that happen in my own home. I, you know, for myself and for others, I want to see that. And so started my career and then met a German guy and we got married and we have three kids and now live in Germany. Um, so I opened a practice over here for expats who, um, I say English is their romantic language, how they met their partner in English. And so that's how they talk in the home. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, started to create online courses like healthy arguing and how to keep with your marriage to start to give more tools to, um, I mean, you know, there's already the stress of bringing two identities together, but then you've got two different cultures and two different languages or four, three or four languages, depending. And then you go into living to either a brand new country for both of you or a new country for one of you. Mm -hmm. And all of that is um, a little bit of the perfect storm, right? You know, it's everything is just chaos. And so teaching them how to communicate more healthfully through that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then 2020 occurred and I was online doing my therapy and got pregnant with our third. Mm -hmm. And in that um, time, I started looking at my life events that had occurred and started realizing a lot of the work I'd been doing had been grief and started to say, it's time for me to just focus on that. Because I was noticing what was happening is many people were at home with their thoughts and their feelings and just didn't know what was going on. And I started going like, does nobody realize like everybody's grieving? Like we're grieving, you know? Yes. And the catalyst for my grief journey was in 2018, at the end of uh, that year, my mom died unexpectedly. And then in 2019, I had two miscarriages. So it was just like, I, I describe it as like you, you stand up and then a wave hits you again. And then you like get back up and you're like another wave hits you. And you just kind of go like, okay, life, <laughs> what are we doing? And then you start to understand, oh, you're preparing me. You're preparing me to start to help others in their grief and to understand grief differently. And so, yeah, since I would say the beginning of 2020, things shifted a lot. And I started bringing my guided meditations a little more to the forefront and some of the energy work I'd been doing more to the forefront. I kept it for my clients And now I was like, okay, it's really time to teach people these tools. Um, And so that is where the grief work part of it and the grief healer started. Um, It's for me, it's about transformative grief. I think all grief is quite transformative. Um, And and we can get into more details of, of different analogies I like to use later on. But when you think about loss of any kind, adjustment, change, challenges, Grief is a natural part of that process. And when we inhibit it or hold it in or try to shift it, run away from it, we hurt ourselves more than if we just go like, let me sit with this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and feel it. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, I'm sorry to hear about your mom and your two babies. Thank you. Thank you. And I love that you said that you wanted to help couples, whether they're together or not, Uh, because some people think of like the end of a relationship, like you're dead to me. Or like, there's nothing else to, like, there's nothing else here. But there's also, there's a way to do it, like with love or with care for each other and for yourself. 
individually. So I really appreciate that. And also what I heard um, was that like your life made you an expert. Like you may have all the education and all of that, but like life made you an expert for all of this, um, including the waves and standing up and the waves hitting you again, but also um, in the work that you're doing in Germany uh, because you were a child of a military child, um, you know what it's like to uproot and move somewhere else. So you're helping other people, adults, the grownups, you know, um, and families uh, adjust and relate and, um, you know, be their best selves in these new environments. Um, so I really appreciate that, uh, how life has, has kind of guided your path in that way. It may not have felt great every step of it, um, but it, as you said, prepared you for, for this work. Yeah, I, I would agree. I'm I'm finding more and more of us stepping into our our own, our ownership of who we are because yeah. of experience and not necessarily because of a license or a educational background. And yeah. I think those can be the most powerful teachers at times. Yeah, our story. Okay, yes. Um, so grief, can you tell us just a either a long or short definition or just describe it or explain it if people aren't really clear on what that word means. Yeah. So for me, grief is the experience of what happens when life doesn't go the way we think it should. Mm -hmm. And that also goes along with um, death because when somebody dies, there's this like, no, I was supposed to have more time with you. I was supposed to, you know, you weren't supposed to go this way or not. And even if they're older, there's still that like, you were supposed to be here for. Mm -hmm. So it's the supposed to's and the shoulds that we're having to face mm -hmm. and, and understand um, in a different way. And I had a friend share, it's kind of like um, having a temper tantrum because you didn't get your Cheerios. Mm -hmm. Like it didn't, I didn't get what I wanted. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> and we get all riled up and upset. And, you know, some people might go, I don't like that definition of grief. But if you think about the things that have caused you grief, you know, if, if you are a mother, then, you know, motherhood brings grief with it. Like we had to let go of the old us and our bodies and all these things and become this new us. And maybe we're still learning to love that version of ourselves, but that's grief work. And what is that? I can't be that person anymore from before. <laughs> like, I, There's just no way to go fully back to her. Yes. She has changed. She's had a beautiful trauma of having children. Yes. And so there's all these pieces where you go, oh, okay. So divorce or separation or even ending a friendship, you know, let's be honest, some friendships aren't healthy anymore. And we say we need to part our ways. We have to grieve that that didn't work. That person's no longer in our lives. That um, the dreams that we created together needed to kind of just fizzle away and all of it is okay, but it involves honoring and respecting the process of things didn't happen the way I thought they would or should. Yeah. And to be honest, if we're real, it, it's societal uh, imposed grief. Yes. <laughs> it's this is how this was supposed to look. You were supposed to get the job and you were supposed to do this. And, you know, especially as women, you're supposed to get the job and then you have, you get married and you have the kids and this, 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 and be superwoman. And then we're grieving and it's all based on societal standards. Right. 
And so I, that's, I, I've written a book right now, but my next book is probably going to be about societal standards that have caused grief because we need to talk about, especially women, we need to talk about it and, and clean house, <laughs> clean house of that. I, I totally agree with that last one. Um, I look forward to that book, actually. Um, yes. because I have since going through the divorce, it's like I've just set, had time to sit and look at the landscape of life. And like how it's quote unquote supposed to go. And I was like, I didn't really sign up for all these things. This is what society is like putting on me of how it's supposed to be. And and now I'm sad about what it's not, but like actually I could wipe that clear and decide like, what do I actually want instead of uh, I guess mourning what the coulda, woulda, shouldas, or maybe if this, if then, you know, um, so yeah, that, that societal pressure is a very real pressure. And I think it weighs, I mean, I can only speak as a woman. I think it weighs more heavily on women. <laughs> I don't, I've never lived as a man, so I cannot speak on that. Um, but there's, there's a bunch, there's a bunch of like pressures around that. And, yeah. and, and just having a moment to acknowledge that, that thing didn't happen the way that you wanted it, um, is, is, is I think like a light bulb moment just to sit and acknowledge like, hey, I'm actually sad. I'm actually grieving. I'm actually disappointed or my expectation wasn't met. Um, I didn't get my Cheerios. I didn't get my Cheerios and I'm gonna kick and scream on the floor for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's okay. All right, so so in the ending of, of anything, it could be, like you said, a job, a friendship or even I have a friend who said she's divorcing herself of what people expect of her. Mm -hmm. um, she is like my, like a life coach friend and people expect her to be a certain way and like live up to a certain standard. She's like, y'all need to stop. Cause now you put me on this pedestal. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be on there. Um, and so I'm divorcing myself of whatever you think of me. So yeah. in, in any, any life change like that, um, how do we recognize the grief that, that we may be experiencing in, in that transition? So uh, for me, it's usually about triggers. Okay. Like if you find yourself triggered by uh, something someone says to you, or you feel like you have to like over explain yourself, or it makes you angry really fast, or it gets you teary eyed, you know, and you're like, Whoa, where does this coming from? Yeah. It's typically related to like false beliefs around things that cause grief. Um, and what I've also noticed is, especially in social media right now, when somebody else finally like steps into their fullness in whatever form and like, whether it be, I, I needed to leave my partner so that I could be myself, or I needed to go take that job away from my family and not see them as much because that is really where I'm supposed to be and whatever it might be that we on the outside go like, oh, judgment comes, you know, no, 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 that's not, you know, societal. <laughs> no, 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 you're not supposed to do this. And what's happening is inside of us is I wish, I wish I could do, I wish I had that freedom. I wish I could be that person. And there it is. I need to grieve that I have chosen this life or allowed it to choose me in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm judgmental of somebody else. And I want to point the finger at them and tell them they're wrong because of my own stuff. So finding your triggers, is it out of anger? Is it out of jealousy? Is it out of emotions of sadness? Whatever it might be, 
those for me are the key indicators. Hey, there's something unresolved here. Yeah. Um, I also like to say, especially with couples, like if you find yourself crossing your arms at some point in an argument, there's grief work there. There's something, an inner child in you, the teenagers come out who's like, no, you're not, mm-hmm. you know, I'm slamming the door in your face. I'm, you know, whatever it might be. Like I am, I am checking out of this conversation. That's inner child work because often our grief work has to do with how we were raised, mm. what happened, you know, were we bullied as a kid, whatever it might be. And it plays itself out then in future relationships. Mm-hmm. So what is called is hidden grief when it's not grief related to death because society kind of or disenfranchised grief society doesn't always recognize it or honor it and so we've learned to just not recognize it as well and this hidden grief will show up as i shared with the triggers um and reactivity Mm -hmm. so when you start to sort of stop and Um, As you know, when you do the work, you have to look at like, why am I acting this way? Why does that get me upset? Why is it, you know, what is it really about? And journaling is the best way to do this. Or you could mind map it, you know, you just put it all out there. You kind of start to see, oh my gosh, this is about this from when I was eight years old, or this is about this relationship that didn't go well. And I need to grieve that. Yeah. Um, I was talking with a woman and she was like, you know, I'm really tired of being a people pleaser, but what keeps around and what I keep thinking about is an old relationship with an ex in which the parents didn't like me. Mm. And I keep coming back to that. And I keep coming back and what is it? You know? And I was like, Oh, well that that's grief work. You know, that's letting go forgiveness, acceptance, finding meaning in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get, it's all stages. <laughs> we have to start at the beginning of like recognizing the grief work. Yeah. So um, for her, it was like, why do I keep coming back to this guy? And then specific his parents, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like there's your trigger. There's something there that like keeps coming at night. I lay there and I think about it and what they said. And I'm like, okay, that's your grief. Yeah. So it shows itself. I like to think of it, especially nowadays, more acceptably as um, anger, you know, something mm-hmm. really irritates me and gets me upset. Why? What is it? Mm-hmm. What is it that we need to dig into that causes it? And again, usually it's grief. Yeah. So that's, that's a, I don't know if that's a very common thing for people to do when they ask themselves, why is this making me upset or why am I so upset? Or even understanding that the why doesn't live in this actual moment. It might live like in inner child or in your past or like as whenever in your um, just not in this very moment. It might be like this is just a symptom of something bigger or something different. Right. Um, So how my question is really like, how do we get people to ask those questions of themselves even (laughs) in the moment or after or like, how do you introspection, just basically basic introspection. Right. So let's say you're with a friend and you're hearing them like play out something and you're like, I think it's grief. I listened to that podcast episode. I think it's grief. Yeah. I, what I have found in a very acceptable thing is to go, do you think you're grieving maybe? Cause it kind of sounds like, and you'll have to explain like kind of sounds like though you're angry, there's something there that, that hurts. There's something there that feels unjust. There's something there that, um, and 
don't, don't take this the wrong way, but it's like, I can see this little kid in you going like, no, mm-hmm. uh, no, I don't want to get hurt anymore. And so I'm just wondering, like, maybe, is it great? I could be wrong. Okay. When we come at it from like a, I'm not telling you what yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grief, but like, could it be grief? Then it makes them kind of stop and go, well, you know, they might get defensive and be like, no, it's, there's no way it's grief. Nobody died. You're like, okay, well, grief has a broader definition. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll start to think of things differently. Now, how can we get people to do more opening their eyes to their, their inner child, their, you know, past work that they need to do? Yeah. I think that's just about modeling our own mm. and talking about it more openly. Yeah. And saying, you know, the other day I was doing this journaling, man, that younger Katie came out and she is pissed off about this. And I realized it was because this one time this had, you know, and the things that we don't sit down and have coffee chats about with our girlfriends, we usually, you know, talk about other people, (laughs) whatever. So that's where we can start to create the change and have people start to think, you know, later on they go, Oh man, I thought about what you said. And I realized I have moments like that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great approach because I, I, it's like I I would be the friend to be like I think you're I think you're grieving uh, like something <laughs> or um, telling them about themselves but to to say it with a sense of like this might be the case you may want to think about or consider this as a possibility yeah. as opposed yeah. to, I mean with the other way could like instant defense like no of course not duh I'm not doing that right right and they may start with that even in the softest. Like, I'm just, you know, putting this on a silver platter for you. Is it grief? (laughs) Because the word grief Mm -hmm. has such, you know, from their own background has such a negative, like, no, that's weakness. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. That's, you know, I only saw this in people in my childhood who grieved and it was all bad. So no. Yeah. And so you can just say, you know, Hey, I'm learning that grief really is about things that don't work out the way we think they should. Mm. It isn't just so much about an ending or something died and now we're crying all the time. We're sad and can't get out of bed. It's actually an experience. Yeah. And that'll lessen hopefully that like defensiveness. So it's always seeds being planted though, Janine, like you're just, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Throwing seeds out and we're hoping something will grow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and you, the person doesn't have to be like the thing, the catalyst that you're just dropping seeds and, yeah. um, and they may get another, you know, watering from somewhere else or maybe like a sign from somewhere else that this might be the case for them. And it's yeah, like you don't have to go around, you know, diagnosing people. <laughs> we um, can do it up here in our minds, but we don't. Have to. <laughs> even that I think is great diagnosing in your mind and not like saying all like labeling. Um, because it helps you as a friend have context for how like the venting or how they're talking or what's going on in their life right now as like an umbrella term of like, oh, they're they're going through something. Maybe they might lash out at me. And it's like, okay, they're actually going through something and we're waiting for them to really acknowledge that as well. Right. Yeah. That's largely just respecting where they are and honoring their process because you have gone through the process too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pause for just a second because I hear a loud noise with my children. <laughs> Hold on. And we're back. I don't know. I don't know what that was. Tape or I don't I can't see it. 
<laughs> okay, so that, that we were in a great flow. Um, I also like the idea of modeling it, being yeah. able to to say like, oh, you know, uh, I can I can sense that I'm upset about this, or I'm working through X Y Z, or my inner child's really pissed right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and you can even, there's two sides of that, right? So there's inner child and then there's the conditioned adult who will rationalize everything and be like, well, no, no, maybe I, I'll, it's okay. I, I can suffer through this for right now. And so like, she has a voice too that doesn't always have to be the best voice. Right. It doesn't have to be silenced. Um, and I literally the other day was like journaling out, here's the child's voice, here's counselor Katie's voice. Okay. And then what's mine? <laughs> what's mine in all of this? Like, what is it that I actually want and what do I think? Yeah. Um, because that conditioning gets really strong of like, you know, no, no, it's okay. You can, you can be okay with this. No, I'm not okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to suffer through this. I don't want to struggle with this. I choose this kind of thing. So I'm such a huge proponent of journaling. If journaling is not your thing, then talking it out with someone or, I mean, if you're like one of those voicemail junkies, like on WhatsApp that leaves like the 20 minute long voicemails, then do little voice, like video, not video, voice recorders of you talking it out and then go back and listen to it. Yeah. And go I, like, oh, that's what that was. <laughs> I'm a huge proponent of that. I have tons of voice notes on my cloud, my iCloud um, and journaling and uh, talking it out with people. Like that's, that's been great for me. I've, I've also reached a place where well, I've seen a place where I've experienced rage, where those things don't work. Like voice mm -hmm. note is not going to do it for me today. It's not going to be um, journaling. No. Nope. And I realized that I could do some kickboxing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. This being physical for me, it's like, this is where the rage goes. This Or go for right. a run. I've learned that that's helpful, too. But like, actually, hitting a heavy bag has been very, very helpful. Yeah, definitely. Hold on one second. It's a thing. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so that was great. <laughs> this is fun being a mom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Never a dull moment. Okay, so where were we? Friends processing modeling yes uh did i cut you off were you saying something no you were saying that sometimes an anger that you yeah. you know like you gotta like box it out i gotta box it out yes yeah so uh finding so beyond knowing your triggers and and all that um the process the healthily processing it and knowing what works for you um i've found that on like day to day maintenance type of stuff for me is like journaling. Sometimes it's like a, a photo booth video to myself. <laughs> um, and most often it's a voice note or a note in my phone. Um, but then when I hit like the, the point of rage, which, you know, happens whenever, but um, I, I find that if I've, if I make some time to do some kickboxing, it's actually the best thing for me. Um, do you have any other ideas as far as, uh, processing the different stages of grief. Yeah, so um, so there's traditionally these uh, five stages, there's now six stages. The last one is finding meaning in, in the event that happened. Um, so you've got denial, you know, 
that's one that like everybody around you sees it and is like, hello. And so that process, we just have to go through it until it comes, right? Uh, there are some ways to do it, but I think it's better we talk about the other phases. So then you have bargaining typically, which is like, you know, if I had done this, this wouldn't happen. And I, I say this is like um, a control thing. Like we, it's those of us who like, like to have control. Like yeah. if I had done this, if yeah. I do this, this won't happen. Um, and it's a little bit like dodgeball where it's like, I will dodge the bad event that is going to, you know, bad in quotations, the negative event that's going to happen if I'm good or I do this or that. And truly that's about like anxiety relief, the things you can do to just calm the nerves and the, whatever you feel like you don't have control of, look at what you do have control of in your life. Then we have um, anger and you're right. So anger is an energy that wants to either create or destroy. Mm -hmm. So create, uh, destroy, we think like destructive in a bad way, but for me, destroy is uh, destroying the energy out. So like running it out, uh, the kickboxing and things, um, uh, sometimes breaking stuff is wonderful. Throwing a rock into a, you know, like just throwing it into a lake kind of thing that being able to um, create something that looks like, ah, this has done something ripping up paper as well. So I love to do anger art. And I write whatever is making me angry, like just all of it, all the things I wouldn't say to someone, I just put it all there. Then I rip up the paper a whole bunch and then I create something beautiful out of it. So whether it be the butterfly or, and I highly recommend it. So uh, it's actually a really fun activity to do with friends, <laughs> but you just create something out of it, like a mosaic of all these letters because it's all ripped up. You can't see what, you know, nobody's going to see what's said. Yeah. Um, but that creation, I mean, some of the, the biggest organizations were created because somebody was angry about something that happened to someone or something and was like, I'm going to stand up and do something. Mm -hmm. Businesses have been created this way, you know, music, okay. art, <laughs> podcast. Yeah. So it creates or it wants to destroy. And when we use that energy in a very healthful way, which like I said, destroying with exercise and I'm, Again, we have to decondition the belief that destroy is always someone gets hurt. I'm going to hurt someone else or I destroy something that I love deeply. Like don't go throw your laptop, but you might go through rocks in the lake kind of thing. Or I've seen even like down the hill, somebody just throwing, like just get it out. Mm -hmm. That can be extremely helpful and it's destroying, it's releasing that energy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that helps with anger. Then in the depression and sadness phase, those are the times where I say, as much as we feel like isolating ourselves, mm -hmm. um, you know, like I feel like so pulled ourselves away from people. They're not going to get it. They're not going to understand what I'm going through. It's a mind game. Yeah. And we, that's when we need people even more. And we just need to be clear on, um, I'm going to need you to check on, in on me once a week and I'm not going to respond to the message and it's okay. Mm. I just need to know someone's there or, you know, I need you to send me things that make me laugh like multiple times a day or, you know, you communicate what you need. So, you know, people are still around you. Yeah. This is a great time for like a counselor, a coach, support group, something where you're like, okay, I go to it once a week. I know that they're there. I go back home and maybe I stay in bed the rest of the time. Um, I'm a huge proponent of like using essential oils and teas and some natural things during that time to like 
peppermint boost the mood, oranges, citruses, because a lot of it, we can naturally elevate how we feel, go for that walk, (laughs) go go for a run, Um, get those free endorphins going. And then we don't feel the low as bad, but you do have to experience the low in grief. And that's what people struggle with. Like, I I want to avoid it. I don't want to feel that. Yeah. It's part of it. Um, And then with acceptance, you know, we think, oh, yay, we're out of it. However, the phases of grief are not one, two, three, four, five. It's one, three, two, four, six, five. So, you know, you could feel like I found your meaning in it and then go back all the way to denial that it ever happened. So uh, that's the story of, for me for with my mom. Every year, the day before the anniversary of her death, I go into denial mode. Like, no, no, no. And if I don't go to sleep, it never happened. And, you know, here I am, like 37-year-old woman with three kids. Like, I know it happened. Mm-hmm. But inner child is like, no, no, no. If I don't, I don't, I'm not going to sleep. And I get very panicky. And then, you know, then I like, go to sleep sobbing, going like, God, just go to sleep. <laughs> it's okay. And then the next day, the acceptance and the finding meaning is back. So know that the stages kind of go in chaos because that's your healing process. Yeah. Um, But with acceptance, it's the forgiveness work. Mm. And that is forgiving yourself. Mm -hmm. I usually say, start with that. um, Do that last (laughs) because usually sometimes it's easier to forgive others before ourselves. Sometimes you can forgive yourself first. So whichever one you feel like I can do that easier than the other, start Mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. And forgiveness is never, it's okay what you did. Yeah. It's, um, I love myself too much to hold on to this so that I'm suffering and ruminating about it for longer than I need to. And I'm letting it go. It's kind of like cleaning out the wound finally and allowing it to actually heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's with acceptance and then finding meaning, you know, is where's your meaning in it? What are you going to do with this catalytic event that happened? Like, you know, are you going to create a podcast and, and speak to women who need support and to hear this? Are you like, are you going to write a book that says, Hey, grief is way bigger than we think it is. And it's actually way healthier and better than we expect it to be. And you know, what, whatever your catalytic event, and then you're finding meaning, um, it will be that helps too with the grief process that helps because you'll have um, your purpose project is what I call it. Like, mm-hmm. even if you do it like a couple minutes a day or, you know, two hours a week, like that, it gives you something that goes, hey, there's a reason why this happened. Yeah. Um, an analogy I really like to use, and I think it's important to share this on your podcast is because we tend to think about grief as like the suffering and the struggle and like, uh, I want to escape it and I don't want to feel it. So I'm going to go and do this and I'm going to go do that. And I'm going to stay busy and I'm going to forget about it. And, um, I think of the, you know, the very hungry caterpillar book, Mm -hmm. you know, so like this caterpillar and they eat, meat, eat, and then like they go into a cocoon. And then at the very end, we just see this beautiful butterfly. And so we think, Oh, that's that transformation. We're going to become this beautiful butterfly. Yeah. So scientifically, and I know you'll love this because your brain works this way too. The caterpillar turns to mush. It digests itself inside of the cocoon. Like go read this. It's amazing. (laughs) And the cells then rebuild themselves into a butterfly. And if things release, like if the the cocoon is torn open too early, Mm -hmm. then it's got like one wing and one left, you know, it doesn't have all the parts it needs yet. 
all of the, the, I mean, talk about nature, all of the pieces of how a caterpillar gets into the cocoon, what happens in the cocoon and after happen in a certain order and have to happen in that order for the butterfly to come out. Mm. So when we think about transformational growth and we think about the butterfly, do not forget what happens in the cocoon. Yeah. And we have to go through that. And that's what grief is. Love that. Good. Wow, I feel like there should be a round of applause or something like that. <laughs> that is beautiful. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I didn't know that they kind of turned into mush for sure. I didn't know that. <laughs> and it's fascinating. You have, you have everything you need within you um, to transform, to, to alchemize any situation. Um, and it, and don't skip any steps. This is just mind blowing. I feel like we should win an award for this conversation. Um, <laughs> this is great. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I lost track of what I was going to say. This is great. Um, yeah, I, that, that, that is natural. That, that sounds like a great ending. Like, boom, this is, this is what you came for. <laughs> Butterfly. Mush. <laughs> go be mush for a little bit, okay? Go go feel it. Go be mush. I mean, you you've walked the walk. Yeah. You have to. You have to hurt. You have to question. You have to wonder. You have to self-analyze. Mm-hmm. You have to look in the mirror and go, all of you. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. All of you. And if you don't, you come out with one wing. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're not, you're not getting anywhere. So if you're hearing this and you're like, but I don't like the experience of grief, I get it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> it isn't a wonderful feeling. It's mush again, <laughs> but it's so amazing on the other side of it. And once you've gone through it, then you know that the next event, cause there will be, mm-hmm. you can get through it. Yeah. And I, I strongly believe in the analogy of like, we all have to go through our fire yeah. And some of us come out with buckets of cool, cool water for the next person. We can't keep them from going through their fire, but we at least can give some tools of like, here, this cools you off a little bit. This helps a little bit, but you got to keep going. So here's some more buckets, bring those to the next people. Yeah. And like, all we can do is get our message out and, and teach people so that they're not so scared of all of life. Yeah. And all, all the complexities and all the range of emotions and all the feelings and all that we are, it's, it's, part of being human. We don't always have the pretty parts, the beautiful parts, the fun things. Um, I remember, so years ago, I had done ayahuasca, like in a sacred ceremony, the whole shebang. And since then I've done it maybe five or six times. Um, And each time it's it's like very different. And um, for those who don't know, ayahuasca is a plant medicine, uh, mostly based in South America. or rooted in South America. Anyway, go through the process. Um, and I learned that I don't really journey. This is me personally. It's not true for everybody. I don't really journey until I have some type of purge. Yeah. So yeah. in the beginning, like you, you sip, it's a drink, you sip the ayahuasca, um, you say all the prayers, all the things, and I can sit in meditation and just like wait for things to happen or like wait for, for the journey to start. But when I purge and purge can mean laugh, 
cry, vomit, diarrhea, TMI, whatever. But it's not until that tough part, the very, very hard part that is uncomfortable, very right. uncomfortable, <laughs> um, that I am able to journey and get the lesson from this, that actual ceremony. Yeah. And I take that experience with me in everything that I do. Like it's gonna get hard and yeah. it's, it's gonna be uncomfortable. It's gonna hurt. I'm, it's, I'm not gonna like it. But there's some um, other side for sure, especially the tough things, like especially the things that are uh, hard. So the miscarriages, like I, I, I've, I've had two as well in the same year and um, the death of the parent, same here too. Um, like these things don't make sense at the moment and they hurt um, sorely, but there's something on the other side. And even like divorce itself or a breakup or losing a job, all these things. It's not going as planned, the coulda, woulda, shouldas, the, yeah. the expectations, all those things. There's something on the other end that is glorious, for lack of a better term. Um, yeah. Just glorious um, and inexplicable. And life is better when you don't know how it's going to go, honestly. <laughs> right. Like, knowing right. the ending. It's, it feels safe to, like, you know, want to know the ending or know how it's going to yeah. go or check all the boxes and all the things. But when you don't know it actually can surprise you in such a beautiful way that you couldn't even have imagined on the other side of it. And that's the gift or a gift of life. Completely. And when you were talking about the purging, which I think we all have to do, it's letting go of control. Yeah. Yeah. And finally just let go of control. Mm -hmm. Thinking you need to, if I, only if I do it, will this happen? Actually, like you said, <laughs> It could turn out way, way better, way cooler. Way, I don't know. You know, yeah. you just let go. Let go. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for this conversation. Um, Thank you. I've enjoyed it. This feels like a warm hug. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm actually like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so let our listeners know if you have anything that you'd like to plug. I know you have a book coming out in October. I do. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, it's called um, the new face of grief because yeah. that's truly what I think needs to happen. Um, transforming pain to empowerment yeah. it's coming out October 5th. Um, Pre-order starts August 9th. So I'll make sure you have the link for that. Ooh, yes. uh, but October 5th is the three year uh, anniversary of my mom's death. And I said, this is a beautiful tribute to the legacy she's left in um, me and, and my brother and yeah. you know, how we're going to change the world from our experiences with her and how she raised us. So, um, mm -hmm. so I, I'll make sure you, like I said, you've got those links and then I'm on Instagram at katie.rustler, R-O-S-S-L-E-R. You can find me on Facebook. I mean, I'm on all the, all the things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one day I'd love to unplug from all the things, but for right now, and then katierussler.com. I've got resources for relationships. I've got resources for motherhood and I've got resources for grief. All right. Thank you so, so much. The fact that it's on your mother's, the, the anniversary of your mother's passing gave me goosebumps. So I hope that she is proud wherever she is. Um, what a beautiful tribute. Thank you. Thank you. I, I believe she is. I believe she is. Yeah. Um, so thanks again for coming on this podcast. This was a beautiful, enriching, and insightful conversation. I learned some things. I'm happy. I'm always happy to do that. <laughs> so thanks again for your time and for your brilliance. And um, 
I guess we'll talk soon. Thank you very much. All right, take care. All right, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Katie Rossler. I 100% did. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time or another episode of Thanks Divorce. In the meantime, take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram at ThanksDivorcePod. Till next time, friends, take care of yourself.